Welcome to a special Lost Without Moments bonus interview episode of the Lost Without Japan podcast. Our bi-weekly podcast is focused on getting you to Japan for your first visit or to make your next adventure to Japan an even better one. Today's special interview episode is with Trevor Raychura, affectionately known as T-Ray to his many, many, many fans. This is your director of travel for TKIC Studio Productions, coming to you with positive thoughts and excitement for your next journey to Japan and finally his own as he returns to Japan in summer 2023. I'd like to thank you all for giving me a bit of your time today, and I truly hope this podcast finds you in a good place or on the path to a better one, no matter how it may seem at this moment. My belief is that we can all use a beacon like this one in our lives to help guide us during these times, and my hope is that Japan, along with this show, will become that for you. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. If you're a returning Lost Without listener, thanks for your time and just returning once again. For today's show, let me introduce a special guest who is the creator of H10 and the Hanshin Tigers English News Podcast, and really your go-to person if you're looking to learn about the best team in all of Japan, the Hanshin Tigers. Trevor, I must say, I'm truly thankful for stumbling across your show. When I was looking to set up my, you know, like how to watch Japanese baseball from the States and your example of what I needed to do through your site, which led me to your podcast and your Patreon and all those different things that are there. But just, you know, thank you so much for coming on today and setting aside time to join myself and listeners of the show. My pleasure, Michael. Thanks for inviting me on the show. Um, I love talking about the Hanshin Tigers and Japan in general. So this is the perfect place to be. And uh, I, I also have to say that I really enjoy listening to your podcast. So keep up the good work, my friend. Greatly appreciated. Greatly appreciated. And, you know, one of these days I'm going to be able to give numbers like you do, you know, for how many episodes and things that you've done. And, uh, you know, I have dreams too. Like one of these <laughs> days I'm going to have someone from a professional baseball team in Japan on my show to talk to. So, <laughs> so uh, you know, I, I truly feel fortunate though to, to have you and Trevor, um, really what he has to offer you is something that could really transform your next trip to Japan. And from, I'd say a good chunk of people that are going to Japan for the first time, I don't know that baseball is going to be on your top list of things to do, but after listening to both of us today, I think you're going to move that up and do your best if you're here during baseball season to add that on, you know? So again, welcome Trevor. Uh, thank you so much for coming today. And before we get too far into the episode, I love giving the people that come on the show a chance to kind of share their social media so that listeners today could look to try to take advantage of what you have to offer, both you know through your news site, through your podcast, like Patreon and all the different things that are there. Um, this is your chance, my friend, to go ahead and share any websites or social media accounts you'd like to. All right. Thanks very much. I'll hit you up with three right now. I mean, I'm kind of all over the place and trying to do a little bit of everything. But uh, the big thing is you can find everything at the website, which is www.thehanshintigers.com. And probably my biggest social media is Twitter, where I spend a lot of time reading information and generally pushing that information out in English because most of the reading I do is in Japanese on there. So my handle on Twitter is at the Hanshin Tiger, singular, not plural. And finally, uh, as Michael said, my Patreon, 
uh, is patreon.com slash the Hanshin Tigers, plural. And I've got to say, Trevor, I think it's been four years maybe or so that I've been a part of it. I want to say maybe something like three, four. It's, it's been a while, um, but you offer a lot. And I got to say the calendar that you sent me is up at my school in my classroom and all the kids kind of look at it. And I'm like, you guys don't know how cool this really is to be able to sit there and geek out um, <laughs> out of everything that's in that. And I keep on finding uh, you know, more with that. But uh, Trevor, I want to give you a chance before we get too much into like your Japan, you know, passions your show and all you're doing just to give you a, a chance to kind of introduce yourself. And truly this is anything that you want to share. It could be about your Japan experiences, um, both personal as a, and as a fan of the tiger, your, you know, big Japan interest. It's, it's anything you'd like to talk about my friend. Well, um, my name's Trevor Rachera and uh, I'm a native of Canada, Winnipeg, Canada, uh, to be more specific. And uh, I have been in Japan since 1998. I came to Japan on the JET program, which, Michael, you've probably heard of. Not as fortunate as you to go through the um, JET program, but I was uh, able to come for like a month through the Fulbright, you know, program itself. But I am jealous of uh -huh. uh, anyone who's been able to be like you to go through that JET program. So the JET program, yeah, was really special. And it was a great way to kind of introduce me to Japan and being a professional in Japan. I did it for two years. And by the way, I was in Okinawa for the first 12 years of my time in Japan. So uh, thanks to the JET program and loving my experience in Okinawa, I just stayed there um, longer, kept working at various schools. And in 2010, I moved up to Hokkaido where I lived for one year. So I enjoyed your talks about the snow festival and just hanging out in Hokkaido and, and checking, checking out the lay of the land. And then I, I only spent a year there, and then I moved down to Hyogo Prefecture, where I am now. And so I've been here since 2011, I guess coming up on 12 years pretty soon here. And uh, yeah, I became a, a fan of the Hanshin Tigers in 2014. And pretty much my becoming a fan of the team and starting my website happened simultaneously. So that's it. I've been just cruising along and covering the Hanshin Tigers in English for almost nine years now. And, uh, oh, so my profession is still, I'm still an English teacher. I teach in universities now, as opposed to junior high and high schools. What I do covering the Tigers does not pay the bills. It's just something I do because, well, it is simply, you know, it is just for the love of the game and yeah. for people. And, and you've been on so many different things. I, my friends, you can go down a rabbit hole uh, following Trevor and his interviews on Japanese news and just articles and everything that is there. And... Um, yeah, it, it, pretty amazing. And it's cool to have something that you are as passionate as you are. And I can see falling in love with the uh, Tigers because, um, you know, I, I don't want to skip too far ahead, but they were the first game that I caught in Japan. And I, I don't think I could have picked a better environment as far as the fans. And, you know, you hear everything from the outside. And I know this is kind of a, you know, time's gone by, uh, you know, rowdiness of fans and things that they got their reputation for. But you go into this like, oh, it's Japan's most rowdiest fans. And, you know, I'm like, was it the balloons that they let off when I, like, you know, went in 2017 that makes them rowdy? Like, you know, and then you find out more about like their history and things like that. But as far as like a fan base and how passionate they are and the stadium itself, I, I just couldn't love it more. I, I, I fell in love with them um, right away. And so far, 
you know, like seeing just the giants and things like that, you know, everybody's kind of peeling in comparison uh, to that experiences that I had, you know, had there. Uh, you got there in by the jet program, but I'm pretty sure that you didn't just, you know, like spin a wheel and see what you wanted to do with your life. Like what ended up first attracting you to Japan? Well, truth be told, I did not really have an interest in Japan itself when I got here or before I got here even. As you can probably relate, I'm not sure because you're kind of in the same profession, but when I was graduating from university and I was an education major, the baby boomers were still hanging on to their jobs. They probably had like three-ish years left until they all had to retire. And so there was going to be just a glut of openings probably around the year 2000, 2001, but I graduated in 98. So one of my profs told me, it would be better for you to go overseas, get some experience, and then come back and try to win one of those jobs, having taught already overseas uh, for a few years, as opposed to, you know, working in a library or some other job here that's not really related to education, and then trying to jump into the game. And so I kind of combined a couple of thoughts. One was that I wanted to go someplace that was economically sound because coming straight out of university, I mean, I just didn't want to go to a place where... <laughs> my pay would be somewhat meager and, you know, not to take anything away from like Central America, South America, Africa, whatever. I'm sure I could have had an outstanding experience teaching there and probably like life-changing. Uh, that said, I've had a life-changing experience in Japan, but you know, I wanted to get on my feet. And so I thought to myself, A, what kind of country or what part of the world is different from uh, where I currently live, but also financially stable or, or at least, you know, promising. And Japan was kind of the, uh, I don't want to say the default. They were kind of the winner as I just kind of looked through things. The other one was that the older sister of one of my friends had done the jet program and she was up in Yamagata prefecture, which is kind of up in the Tohoku, the Northeast region of Japan. But she came back after three years and had a positive experience. And I hadn't really talked to her much about it, but at least I knew that going to Japan was going to be a pleasant experience or there was a chance of it. And so found the jet program ads at the university. And I noticed that I still had a few days till the deadline. I kind of noticed it late, but I sent in my application at the last minute, did the interview and I uh, got in. I was actually on the waiting list first. So I was not initially uh, hired based on who I was, but uh, somebody else backed out. And when I got the call, you know, about a week after they uh, told me that I was on the waiting list, um, they told me, well, you're going to be sent to Okinawa. Is that okay? And I was like, yes, it is, yes. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> You're like a hundred times yes, yes. <laughs> and you've been in Japan now, you know, for, for, for some time, for some time. What still excites you about living in Japan? If I had to boil it down to something really simple, I think it would be this, that I don't know if it's still the case in North America because I've been away for so long, but I always felt like I had to prove myself or I had to put up this front. I had to kind of be a little bit smart or a little bit sarcastic or have that chip on my shoulder, kind of like prove myself all the time. I don't know if that even makes sense, but in Japan, I just felt like I can just be exactly who I am. You know, you can be kind and not be called soft or like a pushover. People are polite here. You know, people greet each other in the streets. I guess that's the case. You know, you, you see that a lot in North America too. But I just felt like, you know what? This is the way that we're meant to live. Like just yeah. being kind to another, one another and, and not having to fake my way through or, or be someone who I'm not. 
And I yeah. felt like I could do that here very well. And I still feel that way to this day. I, I, I can tell you forever. I, I feel the same. Like I, I've lived all over the U.S., um, many numerous places. But like some of my favorite places were when I lived down south because people would do what you said where it's like, say hello and, you know, talk and get to know somebody. And I think, you know, people were um, a little more apt to want to get to know you. But I will honestly say in Japan, you are accepted way more for being a teacher and respected so much more. Like people look at me when I tell them I'm a teacher and they're they're like they're impressed. I mean, and it's not putting on an air like Fronto, like, you know, like for you, like they're legitimately impressed. That's what you're yeah. doing with your life. And when I share my love of K-pop, J-pop. Well, you don't have to put on that air either of like, I'm no. a super teacher, right? You can just, no. you just say like, oh yeah, I teach in an elementary school or junior high, whatever. And they're like, oh, wow, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> And when I share like my love of K-pop, J-pop and, you know, um, you know, baseball, you know, Japanese baseball, they're, you know, into that and they think it's cool. Like, I, it's just one of those things like, oh, you do a podcast or you have like, you know, your different things. Um, I don't know. I, I just uh, definitely can feel, feel you on that. Now, was it during I mean, you're down in Okinawa, uh, like to start off. Were you able to catch uh, a baseball game like, uh, you know, something that's out there um, or when was your first like actual professional, you know, baseball game for uh, in Japan? Being in Okinawa, I'm, you know, this is the perfect timing for this interview because today is day one of spring training. Um, that's basically the only time of year that there is any pro baseball going on in Okinawa itself. And truth be told, like people there are not that interested in NPB in Okinawa. I mean, there are kind of the, you know, the hardcore baseball fans down there, but it's not the same as it is up in mainland because they don't have a team there. So I think my first experience with NPB was 2006 when I went to the Yokohama Bay Stars spring training. I had a friend who was into baseball. Um, he kind of had played some college ball and he just wanted to throw a bullpen with the Bay Stars. And uh, we just went there on a whim and asked them and they were like, oh, that sounds interesting. The only thing is because of insurance purposes, we can't let you do it because if something happens, we're liable. Uh, but maybe next year, if we can get this going ahead of time, we can make it happen. And that was just thrilling in and of itself. But, um, you know, I didn't really catch the NPB fever while I was down in Okinawa at all, uh, simply because, as I said, there wasn't a great fan following. And I don't know about you, but one of the big things for me about following any sport or any team is the community that it creates. Yes. And because, you know, like I, I almost felt like following Japanese baseball down there would be the same as following NHL hockey down there, which is something that I did. But it wasn't something I could share with people with, you know, I couldn't, my passion just couldn't come out because it wasn't reciprocated at all. And so it really took until I got to um, Hyogo, where I am now, Hyogo Prefecture, um, that I really caught on with, you know, liking NPB. That's, that's awesome. And I, I know that so much of your life has to be just teaching in general and you have a family <laughs> and you're right. doing this, uh, you know, your, your H10, your podcast and everything. Do you have any other activities or outside hobbies um, that are kind of separate from baseball or is this, you know, taking up all your time, my friend? <laughs> yeah, it does take up the bulk of my time. I will say that for sure. Since the pandemic started, I've kind of gotten a little bit more serious about um, fitness. Um, but I wouldn't say by any means that I'm like a fitness guru or anything. I just, you know, I take care of myself now more than I did before. 
But outside of that, I don't know if there's necessarily anything Japanese that I am super into. But before I got into the Tigers and uh, Japanese baseball, I mean, I, I kind of just buried myself in learning the language, which included, um, you know, I really got hooked on kanji early on and took some kanji proficiency tests. And then I took the Japanese uh, JLPT, Japanese language proficiency test. Is that what it, yep, it, yep. it uh, stands for? Yes. Yeah, I took that in 2010. So, um, but those were just things to, I don't want to say keep me busy. I mean, I, I really was genuinely interested in the language. And one of my stances, and this is true both with my Tigers stuff and even before that with language, is I don't really want to be seen as a foreigner, even though I do want to be seen as a foreigner. I don't want people to ever uh, forget that I'm foreign, but I also don't want them to treat me in a special way. And and what I mean by that is kind of handicapped, like, oh, you're a foreigner, so you can't read this, right? Let me help you. Or you're a foreigner, so you don't really know the tigers the way that I know the tigers. So let me tell you a little something about the tigers. So I'm more the type of like, you know what? I want to fit in with everybody else. So if everyone else is reading newspapers, I want to be able to read a newspaper too. If everyone else can talk about the 85 years of Tigers history and some of the great moments and some of the great players, I don't want to, you know, just have those question marks above my head when they're talking. I want to be able to jump into the conversation. And so when I get into something, I go all in. And that's kind of what I did with Kanji at first. And that's what I'm doing now with the Tigers. And so it kind of doesn't leave me with much time to get into very much else. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can get that. And I'm Finally, to your point, my friend, because I kind of have the same thing. I've um, like really putting a push in to get past um, my initial starts of trying to learn Japanese because I feel like it may be an, another 11 years or 12 years until I can um, get out to Japan. But I am going to go. And after being there for a little bit, it gets tiring uh, having to rely on others. And that's not something that I normally do in my life, <laughs> you know, so... I really want to, like, my goal this time when I go with my son in summer is to have, like, my hiragana katakana down and have some of those base kanji in place and have some initial, like, greetings and just some base things that I can do just, just to get myself going and then follow up when I go by myself the following year to have another year under my belt. And even if I sound like a four-year-old or a five-year-old, I don't care. I just want to be able to have like that some sort of communication and not have to do what I've done before when I um, was flying out of Narita and couldn't get across to the taxi service where I wanted to go, where my Airbnb was. Um, it was up in these mountains where nothing showed that itself was and I had to walk the whole way oh. <laughs> because I couldn't get anyone to take me. Um, so, yeah, I, I can see where you'd throw yourself into that. And you know, with your baseball fandom, with the Tigers and things like that. Um, if someone is going to go to one baseball game and we're able to talk them into going to see the Tigers, and what would you recommend to them to do to get the most out of their day, you know, just like their their time at that baseball game? Yeah, so first of all, um, I don't know how familiar your listeners are with um, the Tigers or with Koshien Stadium, but Koshien is the oldest stadium um, in Japan, as far as active and being used by a professional team, it was built 99 years ago or opened 99 years ago in 1924. So it definitely has more history than any other stadium in the whole country. It's the only pro stadium right now that still has an all dirt infield, which was the case for most pro fields until there was kind of this 
revamping of all the ballparks in the 80s, 90s, and even, well, even coming up to 2023 uh, this year when Hokkaido uh, Nippon Ham Fighters have a new ballpark uh, opening up. But so that all-dirt infield is kind of crucial because the high schoolers from all across Japan play in a national tournament at Koshien Stadium twice. There's two tournaments per season. So it is not only a great place for the Hanshin Tigers, but this is a place that all high school boys or all baseball boys across the entire nation dream of playing at. You know, so it is the field of dreams of Japan, literally. And there's even a documentary by that name about Koshien Stadium. So that's the starting point, is that you're going to get the most historical um, stadium in all of Japan. You've also got a team that is the second oldest in all of Japan. And they are... I don't know. I don't really see any reason to not like the Hanshin Tigers. I mean, there are reasons to not like the Giants because they are like the Yankees of, you know, of Japan. And some people just simply don't like the Yankees. There's reasons to not like the Hawks because they win too much or they spend way more money than anyone else. There's reasons to dislike some of these other big name teams. But the Tigers, I don't really see any reason uh, to dislike them other than the fact that they don't win or maybe sometimes the fans are a little bit out of control. So um, all that to preface what you would do when you come to a game, I would recommend definitely coming early. And um, there's a few things to check out outside the stadium, including there's like a, a shrine just outside of Koshien Stadium, which is kind of, um, it's got like a Hunching Tigers motif. So you can go check that out if you want to get in some Japanese culture that's not related to baseball, but has baseball tied into it at this particular one. Uh, that's kind of an interesting place to go. There is kind of a... Uh, an homage or a I guess it's a plaque for Babe Ruth uh, because Babe Ruth visited the stadium in 1934. Um, so you can check out kind of the Babe Ruth little area there. But then in general, you know, there's a couple of good merchandise shops outside of the stadium. And then just take in the fan atmosphere. The earlier the, you get there, the more crazy fans you're going to see because fans get there nice and early and especially the, the rowdy people in uh, the right field stands. Some of them are dressed quite lavishly. Um, some guys have full tiger costumes. I met a guy one time who wore like full tiger face makeup. And I was sitting near him during the game. So we kind of exchanged words and, and uh, contact info. And then after the game, he went down to the, the bathroom or whatever. And then like 10 minutes later, this kind of middle-aged guy came up in regular clothes. And I was like, who the heck are you? But it turns out he was the guy wearing the tiger makeup. So... You can really experience a lot of fun stuff just getting to the game early and people watching. I highly recommend that. Yeah. No, when I, I, I could not agree enough because I went to make that my whole day when I went to my game and ended up having a whole like um, event for fans outside on like a stage and they, you know, had people come up and dance and do different <laughs> activities. And it was just a blast the, the whole time there. And I'm very much looking forward to making my way down again. You've given a lot of things, but is there anything that someone, especially someone maybe not familiar with, you know, Japanese baseball or just the Tigers themselves, is there anything that you think they could experience they may not expect to uh, when they visit and go to their first game? Yeah, for sure. Um, so first, one more thing, just to back up to your previous question. Sure is that generally speaking, Japanese fans, um, and I can only speak for Tigers fans because I've generally just gone to Tigers games, but they're really excited to see foreigners at the games as fans. You know, um, it's becoming more and more of a thing here. 
uh, at Koshien. Like there are more foreigners going to games now than there were, say, 10 years ago. But nevertheless, when they see a foreigner at the game, like they're usually pretty excited. They might come up and try to speak a bit of English with you or whatever. Um, and they're quite generous as well. Like they might give you a towel. They might give you something uh, to remember the Tigers by just because they're happy to see non-Japanese people taking in the Japanese game. Now, as for the game itself, one of the things that characterizes Japanese baseball, and if you've listened to other podcasts or seen videos or whatever, you might know this, but the players, especially the main starting players, they all have kind of a chant or a song that the fans will sing during their at-bats. And so it's never, there's never a dull moment. When the home team, uh, in this case, the Tigers, are at-bat, um, it's nonstop noise from the crowd and it's very organized noise. So it's, I mean, it's Japanese in that sense, right? It's not just like, say what you want when you want. It's really like, hey, let's all sing this song together and really cheer this player on. So you got, you know, 45,000 fans singing this song in unison throughout the players at bat. Next player comes up, same thing. There's another song. If there's a, like an RBI chance, there's a special song for those special chances. When the team scores runs, they sing the team song, which is called, well, Officially, it's called the Hanshin Tigers song, but it's got another name as well. But they'll sing that every time a run scores for the home team. And then when the visiting team's up at bat, there is like a special section of the stadium that's kind of reserved for the fans of the visiting team. And so you will hear their chants and songs as well. It's just a lot quieter. But nevertheless, I, I mean, it's just like a fun atmosphere just to stay in your seat the whole time. And that, you know, that doesn't even mention going out and checking out the different food options at the stadium or other stuff kind of in and around the game. So if you think that baseball is baseball everywhere in the world, uh, that's definitely not the case. Japan is a special brand of baseball that you'll definitely want to take in if you come to Japan. Yeah, and I can't say it enough. And I, I like, you know, part of the reason I wanted to have you on is not only, you know, I talk about different baseball, you know, opportunities when I'm talking about like my day trips and things with listeners, but I wanted them to hear from somebody else that, hey, add a trip to a baseball park doesn't matter which one it is if you happen to be by something and there is a game going on add it to your itinerary i, I feel it is with all of those fan chants with all the different things that are here seeing everybody into it you don't have to be into baseball you don't even have to watch the game you can yep. just watch everything that's going on in the stands and have a fabulous fabulous time so you know please you know <laughs> add that to your um itinerary and i gotta tell you thank you for like setting up the different things you have through just your podcast, your Patreon and things. And uh, could you just real quick, just share uh, some of what you offer um, through your Patreon uh, for listeners of the show that might be interested in, you know, just like I said, choosing the correct team to root for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, so I will say this, like I started my, my website or my blog, I guess, um, partially motivated by the fact that there isn't a lot of English content out there. Uh, actually, there was zero English content out there um, about the Hanshin Tigers when I started this. And I really felt like there's potential for people uh, overseas and even people in Japan, you know, expats who maybe struggle with the language to get more into the team. And if you don't have the language, there, there just weren't any resources out there. So I wanted to make the team accessible to people in Japan who do not speak Japanese, but also to people overseas who are interested in the game. So on Patreon, I've got several tiers, and I'll just kind of run through a few of the basic ones uh, because it might take too long otherwise. Um, so the team puts out a magazine every month, and I 
translate one article from Japanese to English uh, for people to be able to read uh, part of the, the monthly magazine uh, just as kind of a fun extra thing to get some more information, things like that. Um, I've got proxy services where if anyone wants to order merchandise where they don't ship overseas, you can have it shipped to me and then I'll send it out to you. Um, so I, I make that a, an option once a year that I'll send you a package of stuff that you've ordered um, online. Um, and then I have done a tier where I offer like jerseys, kind of limited jerseys that I happen to have. I don't, I don't go out and buy jerseys for people for this, but I, I have some extra jerseys in stock. Uh, but the one that you're on is the Koshien Tour. Yes. Which is for people who, if they want uh, to, A, have their tickets kind of, I mean, I'm not going to pay for the tickets, but Correct. I'll go out and secure them if people are interested. Not only that, but when you plan to come to Japan, if you want to have a tour of the stadium and have someone with you during the game who can kind of talk you through uh, stuff about the players, stuff about what's going on in the stadium, whatever. Um, they even have like a stadium tour. So we could go on that and I could just kind of translate for you into English as we go through it. Um, it's just to make your stadium experience whatever you want it to be. That's the Koshien tour tier. And then also I do um, Japanese language lessons for people who are interested in learning Japanese. Uh, once a month, we do like a 30-minute session. And um, it doesn't have to be centered on baseball, but a lot of people um, who are on my Patreon want to learn baseball Japanese. And so I give them some terms and we just maybe talk a little bit about players or about how the team's doing in Japanese. Um, and I try to keep it, you know, I, I keep it at my students' level, however they uh, are, whatever they're comfortable with. So all sorts of things. Um, again, my goal is to make Anshin Tigers baseball accessible fun and uh, my motto is kind of like i don't want the language barrier to be what prevents you from becoming the fan you want to be so however deep you want to go with the tigers jump on my back and we're going <laughs> <laughs> and you know, when i talk to people over you know back home and they're like why are you going to catch a game or why are you a fan of you know the tigers and things like that i'm like i'm a cubs fan you know of course i'm going to be a tigers fan and i said they they share a lot <laughs> like in some regards uh, prior to like the the Cubs World Series, you know, win and things like that. But there was a lot of struggle being a Cubs fan for quite some time. And I lot, see a lot of similarity with that. And they are a very lovable team. And I, like you were talking earlier, was it just because you ended up in that area, you think that you fell in love with the Tigers? Or do you think if you had ended up elsewhere in Japan, it would have been another team? Um, you know, I don't want to throw controversy at this point, in time, but, you know, was it, you know, because you happened to, to be there and wanted to, you know, connect with your students and things like that? It's kind of a combination of all those things, but you, you mostly hit on the head. Um, you know, if I had ended up in a different part of Japan, I probably would have followed the local team, whatever that team might have been. And so as I was saying earlier, one of the um, attractions to following professional sports or becoming a fan to me is to be part of the community. And having that experience and so if i were like in sendai and i decided to follow the hanshin tigers i mean i don't think i'd have very many people to talk with about the tigers because that's eagles land right rock yes. eagles um that said i don't think i ever would have become uh, a tokyo yomiyu giants fan just because i'm kind of opposed to how they do things and just reading some of the stories about what they've done uh really turns me off from them but uh back to the uh what, what you were saying um, so I actually wanted to be a sports journalist before I got into the teaching profession. That was my childhood dream. And around 
age 18 or 19, I kind of tucked that away because I felt like it wasn't for me. And it kind of came back to me around 2014. Um, I was talking to a career coach and just, you know, uh, trying to figure out what to do with my life because I didn't know if I wanted to teach forever. We could talk about that a different time, <laughs> just about English education in Japan. Um, but I really, I felt like I was spinning my wheels. And he said, well, what would you do, what would you do if you could do anything? And I said, I'd probably become a sports journalist. And he said, why don't you like try doing like a blog or something in English about the local team, you know, and I don't, he, he mentioned the Tigers, but he wasn't a Tigers fan. He just kind of said, well, they're the local team, right? So why don't you, uh, you know, just start like a blog or something. And so that was kind of the start of my Tigers fandom. It wasn't that I watched a game, fell in love with them and then started the blog. I kind of started the blog out of selfish interest. Like this is going to, you know, take away some of my frustration uh, that I was building up in my day job. And then when I went to my very first game, that was what kind of clinched it. Like, yeah. I'm not just doing this as a blog to pass the time. This is like a lot of fun. And this is something I could see myself pouring a lot of my time into. And that's what I've done ever since. Yeah, like I, I got to say, like when I'm looking for places to move to eventually, kind of in that Hiroshima, Osaka, you know, area that has me calling at this point in time. And, you know, if I was in those areas, I could catch a lot of teams, you know, that, that I'd enjoy and um, be able to connect with a lot of different people there. And I got to tell you, sometimes it's that first uh, stadium and team that you go to that pulls at your heart. And that was that was it for me. Mm -hmm. Wrigley Field was my first game, first professional sports game, walking out and seeing that stadium for the first time. Um you know, that sealed the deal for me. And I got to say, when I went to see a Tigers game, I felt like much the same way. And that altered infield kind of sets it apart. And knowing that there's so much history to it, I, I just felt like I was back home just on the other side of the world. <laughs> so with um, all of that and your the, like, you know, life coach trying to go through, trying to do a blog, when did you decide to take that blog and turn that into your podcast that you have now? So here's the thing, like I started the blog in May of 2014 and 2014 was a year in which the Tigers made it all the way to the Japan series. And that had been their first time there in nine seasons. And they hadn't won it since 1985 and still haven't won it since 1985. So I was thinking to myself, this is my first year as a fan and as a blogger, and I get to cover the team going all the way in my first year. Like, this is truly amazing. And I really just like dove into it headlong and i was writing reports like never before especially during the japan series and i started to gain some traction you know in the in the um especially the overseas fan community or the english fan community i mean people found me and i my my blog actually got quite a few hits quite early on um but the day after the japan series ended like i'd kind of promised my wife like, okay let's go to kyoto and have like a nice time together because i'd spent so much time doing the blog and I had a couple of days off work. I woke up just feeling really sick. And that sickness dragged on and it ended up actually being Graves disease, which is a thyroid complication. I had to be hospitalized for it. Um, it ended up being like January that I was hospitalized. Well, anyways, during my hospital time, I started, you know, I still had tigers on the mind. It wasn't about my health. It was still about the tigers. <laughs> and uh, I found a Japanese podcast called Tigers Cast. I started listening to it and I was like, oh, this is pretty cool. And that kind of got the wheels turning for me. Like maybe I could do an English version of this. Um, and I didn't know how logistically to do it because I'd never really stepped into the podcast world before. 
but I just started very bare bones and made a lot of mistakes and sounded very amateur-ish in my first, I don't know how many episodes, but I just got it started in, um, it would have been July of 2015 was when I really, uh, was, was episode one. And just been, been doing it since and just really enjoy it. I feel like I've stepped up my game some, um, both quality-wise, uh, like sound quality and also just the quality of my uh, talking. Talking? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, yeah. So it's just been a lot of fun coming up on eight years, I guess, this summer and uh, having a blast doing it. I'm on episode 164 and I uh, never thought I'd make it this far, but here we are. Awesome, my friend. And um, do you have any like moments uh, during this time of, you know, all the years of recording a show, um, have some moments that kind of stick out to you the most? Man, um, probably my very first interview with a former Hanshin Tigers player. And that actually took place somewhat early on. I think it was, I want to say it was like March, no, maybe Fe January, February or so of 2016. So my podcast was less than a year old. And um, I happened to stumble across a Tigers legend from the 1960s. I uh, found him on social media and just asked him if he would be interested in talking to me thinking, you know, this is a, this is a legend. Like, why would he talk to me? I'm a nobody. I don't even, you know, I don't even know what I'm doing here with this podcast, but he said yes. And, um, from there we talked, hit it off and it's, it was the start of a great friendship. Unfortunately, he passed on in 2019, but having him on the show and, um, just hearing some of his stories, I felt like I was talking to my grandpa, although, you know, in a, you know, a, a fictional uh, scenario in which my grandfather was a Hanshin Tigers legendary player, but just, you know, sitting on grandpa's lap, listening to his great stories. And it gave me the confidence that, you know what, like if this guy is okay talking to me, maybe I can try to reach out to other players as well. And I, it really um, dawned on me. A lot of these guys, especially former Japanese uh, stars, the foreigners, right? This is their life, at least in a very simple nutshell, from my point of view, they struggled they couldn't make it in MLB, so they were kind of a nobody as far as America was concerned, right? They come out to Japan for anywhere from three to seven, eight years, right? They're stars. They are adored yes. by everybody. They gain fame and stature and status, and then they go back to America, and they're right back to where they were before they came out here. They're back to being that nobody, yep. in a sense. Of course, you know, they've got stuff going on in their lives. I'm not trying to deny that, but... They go back to anonymity in a sense. They're just like everybody else out there. And so when somebody from Japan, and especially an English speaker like me, reaches out to them and says, hey, do you want to talk about your glory years again? Because I want to hear your stories. Like, why would they not want to do that? Yes. Right? That's what kind of dawned on me. Like, these guys, they want to talk about their time in Japan. Almost all of them had a great time here. And so if I can be the avenue through which they can talk about these things and kind of share their love of Japan and Japanese baseball with me and with my listeners, then you know what? I'm just going to keep asking as many guys as I can. And that's what I've done ever since. I've just been reaching out to as many former uh, players as possible, uh, centering, of course, on the Hunting Tigers, former players. Now, in the last couple you know, seasons, you've been getting current players too and you know, talking about them yep. and they're you know, about to start with the team or how you know, their time with the team is going on. And you really are um, getting a lot, uh, you know, of just, you know, pretty impressive things. And I enjoy each and every time you have somebody 
you know, on the show because it's one more way to connect uh, with them and, and you have that. Um, do you have any goals uh, for your show for this upcoming season besides, you know, you know the Tigers winning it all? <laughs> you know, what are some other goals you might have? For the show proper, I mean, kind of just want to keep it going and get some good momentum going. Um, I, it, It's always my goal to talk with every single uh, Tigers, foreign Tigers player on the roster, but they're either, some of them are too busy or, um, you know, the team actually doesn't really want them talking to the media outside of the team's approval. And so they kind of have to sneak uh, around things to talk to me. You know, they might just say, oh, I'm, I'm just talking to a friend for a, a podcast that he does back in America. And the team's like, oh, okay, whatever. And they don't care. So, you know, I definitely would love to be able to uh, talk to all of them, but you know, Michael, beyond uh, just talking to these guys and putting them on my show and uh, kind of gaining a name for myself, this has always kind of been to me about helping out their families as well. And one of the things when I started my blog and the website was, I hope that the families of these players discover me. So going back to 2014, we had Randy Messenger and Matt Merton as our main uh, foreign guys, right? They were the stars. They were the English speaking foreigners on the team. And actually both of their families ended up finding me. And um, I kind of felt like I was doing them a service because whether they're the, the immediate family that are here in Japan or the stateside family, they don't get to hear or read anything about their, you know, their beloved son, brother, cousin, friend, whatever um, in English. And it's kind of a hassle to do those searches in Japanese and then run it through like a Google translate. That's going to give you a half baked English version. So my goal is always to be able to help the families out, um, whether it's just providing information or other things. And so with uh, recent players, you know, like I've been able to talk to some of their families face to face. Um, and I know that some of them are, you know, attend churches stateside and I go to church as well here. So I kind of hooked them up with a place that they could go here. Um, and that's just something that, you know, like as much as the team does help these guys, like they can't help the, t the players and the families with absolutely everything. And so it's those little things that fall through the cracks that if I'm able to do, then I'll gladly step in and do it. And so, yeah, I want to keep doing that this year, um, whether it's through my show or otherwise. And, you know, ultimately, if the team ever wanted to pay me to do this, then I would <laughs> gladly do that. Obviously, I'd have to follow their rules a lot more closely. But yeah, if if that ever came true, that's kind of the ultimate right there. I could be with you on that, my friend. Uh, yeah, <laughs> be a rough way to spend your time uh, getting uh, even more access to the team and everything that's gone. And man, with uh, hopefully as borders continue to open up more and people begin to travel more, how great would it be to have uh, an even larger international audience uh, just for Japan baseball in general? Because I do feel like there's a large untapped market, uh, not only here in North America, but you know, just elsewhere in the world and um, having you as a point of, you know, I, I can get behind that. You can use me as a reference, my friend. <laughs> just, <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. There's a Mike from Chicago that is a Cubs fan and likes Matt Merton and, you know, uh, Kosuke Fukudome and, you know, various other people that, you know, past Cubs uh, that have been on the team. But, uh, yeah. you know, it's it's great, my friend. It's great. It was good goals. And I just want to get kind of, kind of back to um, yourself and kind of like our beyond the Japan section of things. And just ask if you have any, uh, and these can be about Japan, uh, Han, you know, the Tigers, whatever you would like, but just a section to kind of share a little bit more about yourself, where if you have any favorite books, 
um, podcasts, YouTube shows, um, anything else, uh, baseball or non-baseball related that you'd like to share? Yeah, um, so pretty much all of the baseball connected stuff that I do is all in Japanese, in the Japanese language, simply because there isn't a lot of literature in English uh, about Japanese baseball. Um, for those of you who know Japanese baseball, you could possibly know the name Robert Whiting. He's written a lot of really good English books about Japanese baseball. Rob Fitz is a baseball historian who has written some awesome stuff. And actually, um, if I could shamelessly plug a book away, that is <laughs> going to come out sometime this year, um, Rob Fitz has uh, basically gathered a bunch of writers together um, to take on this huge project. It's through Sabre, um, the Society for American Baseball Researchers, something like that. They basically have written, um, volume one is out. It's the history of American baseball tours of Japan. So we're going back to like the late 1800s when the first Americans came over and played baseball in Japan all the way through to 20, I think 2019, 2018, 19 was the last one. And so volume one um, is already released. I think it goes until the end of World War II, if I'm not mistaken. And then volume two is coming out this year. And I've written a chapter in that um, on the 2004 MLB tour of Japan. Something I didn't know anything about until I did the research, but it was quite interesting to look back on some of the names on both sides uh, that were in, uh, that were part of that tour. So those are two authors that you'll want to uh, kind of investigate if you want to know more about Japanese baseball. If you want to know more about the Tigers, there's an amazing book by William Kelly called The Sports World of the Hanshin Tigers. Have you read that, Michael? Um, I have not, my friend. I have not. You must. It is really good. It Actually, it's an anthropological look at the Hanshin Tigers, not the team, but rather the kind of microcosm of the Kansai culture. So how does, how does the culture of Hanshin Tigers fit within the macro culture, if you will, of Kansai and of all of Japan? Really fascinating. Very well done. Um, and then, yeah, the rest, like I said, I'm doing a lot of... Um, Japanese related stuff. As far as podcasts go, I listen to The Art of Manliness. I don't know if you ever heard that one. I love uh, that show. Um, that's probably my go to as far as English language stuff. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's nice to have some other things. And I like to agree. I'm going to try my best. Uh, if you have any links or things you want to share um, with me, I'll put that in our show notes um, just to help promote, uh, you know, the other books and things like that and try to look them up uh, before I take fine. But Try to put those in the show notes for you all. And, um, you know, before we, you know, wrap up, because I don't want to take up too much of your day. I do, like I said, truly just appreciate you so much for coming on. Um, but is there anything else that you want to share uh, with our listeners um, that maybe we haven't discussed or talked about to this point? Yeah, I, I would say that if you come out to Japan, um, it's, it's really great to just be open to new experiences and to new ways of thinking. And um, even though there are a lot of attractions in the big cities like Tokyo and Osaka and Kyoto, Hiroshima, et cetera, there's, there's stuff to do in every part of Japan. Um, you can get yourself, well, geographically lost, but even just mentally, like you can just, you can dive down that rabbit hole and stay down there for a lifetime. There's just yeah. so much to see here. It's such a rich country as far as culture goes and as far as just the kindness of people and i think the further you go into the countryside the the more warm-hearted you'll find that people are here whether they can speak english or not 
they want to welcome you and they want to get to know you. So, um, yeah, if you're still kind of on the fence about coming to Japan, I'm going to try and just blow some extra wind your way so that you fall onto the yes, I'm going to Japan side because it will change your life and you will not regret coming out here for sure. Like, like some people say there's something in the water because uh, people look at me funny when they when they talk to me and they're like, how can you go back to the same country uh, year after year? And I'm like, it's really easy. <laughs> there's just so much uh, to do that are on my list. And every time I go, that list is bigger than when I arrived, when I leave. <laughs> and it, it just continues to go that. that way. It really does. I want to thank you again for joining us today. And just, you know, having a, a, you know, a time to sit down today. I've thoroughly enjoyed it, my friend. I appreciate it. I had a great time as well, Michael. And uh, keep up the great work with your podcast. Yeah. Thanks again for having me on. Thank you. And on behalf of Lost Without Japan and the entire crew, I'd like to thank you for joining us today for this interview. We look forward to seeing you on board again for our next regularly scheduled episode as we continue our discussion on Japan, travel, culture, and your Lost Without moments. If you enjoyed today's show, please consider joining the show's Patreon. Information about that and my current free 30-day trial is on the links for all of our show notes uh, for today. So to everyone out there, oh, ginky day. Stay well, my friends. <laughs>